Hi, I'm Natasha Milani, CEO of South Australian Leaders. I'm passionate about supporting the growth of businesses through the power of collaboration, helping companies to connect, scale and grow. This podcast is all about collaboration for anyone who runs a business. It can be lonely at the top. I believe no one executes alone. We all do better when we do it together. These are real companies talking about real challenges and how they strive to overcome them. Let's all learn and share together. Today I'm talking to a woman who's an inspirational leader. She runs a great South Australian business called Umiak. Welcome, Kate Maguire. Thanks, Natasha. It's great to be here. Let's just start, Kate, by sharing your background. Umiak, what do you do and what does the word Umiak mean just out of interest? Okay. So we're an industrial refrigeration company which was started in Adelaide in 2006, so nearly 17 years in May. Um, uh, The word Umiak is an Inuit word um, and it means canoe. So we picked that at the very beginning because we wanted to stand out from all the refrigeration companies that are around that called themselves technical something or cold. So it was just about being different in the marketplace because we were starting with two of us and no customers. So we really needed a strategy to stand out and that's why we picked it. So let's go back to industrial refrigeration. So just delve into what that sure. means. What does the business look like? Okay, so two main parts to the business. One is a projects part of the business, which really is we employ a lot of mechanical engineers who design refrigeration systems for our customers around Australia and overseas, predominantly in food processing or cold storage. Typically, our customer base would be wineries, um, big food processing companies, most of Australia's cold storage companies. So we would um, either design a greenfield site for them if they were setting up in Australia or if they were building a new distribution centre. And then um, we would build it or design it, then build the refrigeration system. So most often we're working with a builder, um, sometimes directly to the customer, sometimes to the builder, and then we would install it and commission it. So that's a big part of the business. The other part of the business is our maintenance team. So in that part of the business, we employ predominantly refrigeration technicians. So we look after facilities and that'll be preventative maintenance. Often it's like once a month we go to that site, depending on what it is, and then um, look after it, making sure that the facility keeps running. Can you imagine in the food sector, keeping that facility running properly is critical, both for production when we're working for a producer, but also for storage before it goes to supermarkets. Kate, how did you get into this industry out of interest? Because I'm just going to preface up front. Um, I've known Kate for a little while and I think you're an amazing leader of a very innovative business here in South Australia. So how did you get into this sector? Oh, it was all by chance. To okay. be honest, I didn't know how to spell the word refrigeration. <laughs> I thought it was like the way you spell fridge. Um, I was working part-time after I had my third child and just doing some consulting work and one of them was a, with a refrigeration company and had no understanding of it of that industry, and I'm definitely not a technical person. I've come from a business background. And then after that brief time with that company, one of the owners of that company decided to leave and go and set up his own business, and he asked me to go into business with him. So that's how it started. And tell me, um, what size and scale is the business today? Now we're turning over around $34 million, got 84 permanent employees. But given this project work that I talked about before, we scale up depending on a project. So at the moment, we've probably got about 45 subcontract 
Boilermaker welders working for us across the country. So it goes up and down, but the permanent staff, you know, are about 83 at the moment. I imagine with project work of that scale in particular, collaboration is is critical. Absolutely. And it's been a hallmark of us from the very beginning. When we first started, we had a, um, and we thought this up in my lounge room, um, <laughs> our slogan was performance through understanding. And we wanted to set ourselves out from the crowd, again, like with a name and then with a philosophy that said when we invest in understanding and talking with our customers and our suppliers and our people that we think, we believe will get better solutions. So that has been the theme from the very day we started. We've changed it a bit over the years to now we talk more about having curious minds. So modernised it a bit and really focus on our people, trying to get them to be thinking and talking and learning from other people. So it's actually been important throughout the, the business growing. And I can't agree with you more synergy, whatever words you want to use around getting to that better solution. Can you give me some examples of where the better solution has been reached, where innovation has peaked as a result of collaboration? Absolutely. Um, I think there's some standouts in our nearly 17 years. The one that comes to mind firstly is a job that we did very early on when we started. It was for the Melbourne Market Authority. And they, in Melbourne, they were moving from the old wholesale produce market to a brand new greenfield site out at Epping. And uh, the builder that had won that job came to us because he'd known a um, couple of the engineers and said, would you want, do you want to work with us on this job? And we said, yes. We looked at the brief and then thought, all they're going to do is replicate what they had and it's not efficient and it's not good for the environment, we've got a better solution. So we went back, talked with the builder, got them on side and then they said, we need to get the Victorian government on side and we need to get the Melbourne Market Authority on site. So it was a really collaborative process in terms of all, all of those parties or stakeholders really working to get a better solution. So... That was one part, so the idea got sold. But the other thing that was really important is we were only new and I think the refrigeration component of that job was about $15 million back then. That was huge for us. We could not have funded it. So we had another collaboration which was orchestrated by the builder and he paired us up with another mechanical services company. Didn't do industrial but certainly did commercial refrigeration. So, And they were a big organisation, so we had a collaborative agreement with them we split the job in half. Um, it was all our design, but we did the part of it and they did another part. And we wouldn't have been able to do the job if we hadn't collaborated with another person. Um, we wouldn't have been able to win that job if we hadn't had the courage to say, we've got a better idea about how to do this and then, then to invest the time to make it happen. So that was a really good example of collaboration. I think there's another example that comes to mind too is for a, a Dutch company, first time into Australia, and never built a cold store, ne- never been built in Australia before. And so for us, the collaboration there was about how do we invest in getting an understanding about what they're trying to achieve. So we travelled the world. We sent people all over the world to their installations to get to understand that what they did, spent a lot of time um, with them understanding their product and then were able to develop a solution. So we built trust with them to start with. We won the first job. Then they came to us and said, we've got to do something differently that we've never done in the world before. And that was a different kind of cold straw. They were only freezers. And what they needed to do was for their customer base in Australia, have a a chilled space as well as a freezer space. 
And so I think through the original collaboration and the investment we made in getting to understand them and to work with them, they had faith in us or trusted us. And so they said, okay, we'll work with you to come up with an innovative product, which we've done. And so the first time in the world, and they've got a facility that is built in the way that they do, which is very, very efficient and low cost and meets the Australian demand. So they're two examples of how it's really been important for us to win work and to get a better solution in the end. Everyone does better when you do it together and that's some great examples. And I think that um, in a technical environment like yours, it's it's almost a mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> you use the word trust, which I think is critical and, and you use it in the context of your supplier and your customer yeah. in, in that context. Talk to me more about trust and how you build those trusted partnerships. I think it starts with understanding what collaboration means within our business and and taking a bit of a leap of faith too. So sometimes we come up with really smart ideas and we have had experiences where those smart ideas have been given to a builder or to the end user and then they've been shopped out in the marketplace and then somebody cheaper than us wins the work. So there's always a risk around that innovation and we're still struggling with that a bit as a business because our philosophy has been from the very beginning, as I said, we know we'll get a better solution when we talk to you about our ideas. So that is a struggle about how we give away mm-hmm. um, ideas. How so do you manage that? Just how Well, do you... we're still struggling with that one, Natasha. Okay. Um, we have, you know, we sign agreements and NDA, yeah, NDAs, all those, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Because cheaper is not always better, obviously. Oh, absolutely it's not. And that's, that. yes, so we're actually going through that work at the moment. We're, I have to say, we're an evolving business and, I, mm. you know, it's continuous learning. And sometimes I think, when am I ever going to learn it, all? <laughs> learn it all? But I don't think you ever do. Um, and so we make mistakes and we pick ourselves up and we keep on going. But being trusting, trusting the other party is, and it's about the relationship really. Mm. And I even know that, like we internally within the business, we have collaborative approaches because we have people that are very experienced engineers, very experienced refrigeration technicians, uh, really great new thinkers like younger people coming into the business. We have um, every Thursday is... UMIAC day. So no one is supposed to have a meeting outside of the business. So even sometimes that might be the client, just there's no other alternative. So we'll do it then. But so Thursday is the day when we're supposed to invest in working collaboratively to make things better. So we have teams of engineers who um, work on smarter ways of making things happen or standardising so they can speed up processes. And I think One of the things I've learned is that I've trusted a process and I've trusted all the people in that process. But when things stopped, what I've learned is that sometimes because of, and it's really simple stuff, but positional authority or people that are more experienced seem to have, might not understand the benefit of everybody working together. So they might think my way is the best way when what we're trying to achieve as a business is how do we make this better like the one plus one equals three by getting everyone's views. So I've learned that don't just trust that everybody's on board, that they understand the philosophy of collaboration, but you actually have to have a really close eye on how it's working to make sure you get the best results. And we have had some fantastic stuff come out of that. Not only the solution that's come out from the work that they do, but also you see the young, younger um, engineers, like their learning just escalates really quickly, but their passion for what they're doing is just about touchable, you know, it's just, it's great. I love the vulnerability that you are 
constantly evolving and learning and yeah. maybe haven't got it perfectly right. Oh, we haven't um, got it perfectly right, Natasha. <laughs> I don't know anyone that does, um, but this podcast is about learning and sharing. I love Umiak Day. That sounds, you know, fascinating. Uh, that That is a big commitment, really, for your business. You're investing in your people. That's demonstrating that. Absolutely. And it's also difficult. It was difficult in the very beginning for people that are under the pump to actually stop what they're doing and saying, actually, I need to change the way I'm operating and take that time to stop and say, no, I've got to stop all those things that I'm doing that have got to be completed because now my job is to think about how we make things better. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a really critical but a hard thing to introduce. And I'd have to say our people are really committed to doing a really good job and delivering on their deadlines. And so for getting them to stop and say, this is just as important as that, we need to figure out how we're going to work and, and build this into the business. It was tough in the beginning, but now it's it's just how they work. Mm. They know, they're self-managing, they know they meet, they've got, now they've got, I think there's three little groups going out of this. And then I get them to report to me about, not report, but report's not the right word, to Come and share, share, that's a better word. Uh, Come and share with me what you've done. Yeah. And you can see the excitement in their achievement and what they've done. And you can also see the tension that gets created about, well, that was the old way and this is the new way and how we're going to make that happen, which is really healthy for us. So I'm listening to your story and I'm seeing all the sort of pieces of the puzzle come together. I'm talking about, now we're talking about embedding the culture of collaboration in your business, which ultimately then correct me if I'm wrong, builds the trust with your suppliers and your customers to collaborate because yeah. it's it's sort of the way we do things. Yeah. So how do you get that culture in the workplace, one of my other favourite topics? What tools or what worked well for you in terms of getting that culture right in a business? So, again, from the very beginning, communication has been one of the most critical a value, an underpinning value. So every month we meet and now we're in five locations around Australia. Back in before COVID days, I would travel or one of the other senior people would travel to every state and run those team meetings. We're just getting back into that. But during the last three years, um, we've been using teams. So uh, we have a week, which was last week, every month, and we meet with everybody in the business. And In that, we talk about how things are going, what work are we bidding for, what we have lost, what we've won, what problem there might have been and how we resolved it. So it's been important to be open. And in that conversation, people feed back information. So last week there was a photo of someone lifting a big piece of equipment and commentary in each state. Like People talked about those, so fascinated by these photos. And they were talking about, I don't know whether I would have lifted it that way. And then someone else would say, well, my experience would be that's the only way to lift it. And then so because I'm, I and, and one of the other senior people are c- constant in every one of those meetings, it's kind of we take a bit of learning from that one, then we share it at the next meeting. Well, in the Victorian meeting, they commented about this. So it's that kind of we're displaying that um, culture of, openness and the benefit of us all talking about things to get to a another solution. So communication has been core. The other thing is problem solving. So, you know, every now and then you get a really critical problem and we know that one person by themselves is not going to do it. So we pull in people and people know that we've got a critical problem. You've got to come and participate in this to problem solve. And so that's been a way of working to and demonstrating that everyone's got different skills to add and 
we get a better solution when that happens. Mm. Now, I have to say, in sometimes there are people that have got egos. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years and all, you know, that stuff. And that is a challenge and we're breaking that down. And we break it down by really demanding that this is the way we work. That's it. It's non-negotiable, mm. right? So it's, so it's a. I think it's a, a combination of doing what we think is right, and then using the mechanisms to make sure that we live it. Really, yeah. So yeah. they've been really important things that have helped us. And some of those things are quite structured and tangible, and some are intangible. Yeah. Right. The way you you know have conversations and the way you lead by example as well yeah absolutely and i expect that of the senior leaders as well mm. that um they just don't make decisions by themselves that they are collaborative that they do talk to the people in their team and there's really no escaping that because we have this open forum every month where everyone hears what's going on in the business and people can ask questions and then we also have um, each team meets once a week and that could be 10 minutes, but at least we know they're meeting and it's a way of, for the refrigeration technicians, that's a really critical workplace health and safety meeting. So they're doing it once a week. They're talking about what's going on with their clients, but they're also talking about what's coming ahead and how do we get prepared and all those things. And for the office-based people, it's about touching base about who our clients are and what the deliveries, you know. So it's a way of working, which is about we expect people to be participating and working together and we make sure there are crossovers between different departments or different states as well. So you've got um, monthly open forums, yep. regular team meetings, UMIAC Day, yep. so there's a few tangible things. And do you capture the knowledge? Are you capturing that knowledge? After every project that we do, we always have a project review meeting, which is we get everybody that's been involved in that project delivery and we talk about what worked well, what didn't work well, what are the key learnings. So yeah. we talk like that mm-hmm. um, and that gets fed back to, it could be an estimating problem, so it gets fed, fed back to business development or it was a manufacturing problem. So we do that. We also, for workplace health and safety, we have lessons learned and they get analysed and then distributed and discussed. Mm-hmm. But I, and, and on the agenda for the senior leaderships team, we have a thing called um, what are the key headlines? It's how we start the meeting. And so that is about like what's going on and what do we need to be doing about that? So mm-hmm. that's been a – that's only – we've been doing that for nearly a year, just over a year. So that's really changed the way we're ensuring that we are communicating the learnings as well and, and reinforcing that stuff. So As part of the SA Leaders learning journey, we've all read the book Traction. Yep. We've looked at the EOS. Can you just share how you're implementing that in your business? Sure. Well, Natasha, I – got to hear about Traction through coming to the Leaders Club and I thought it was like a miracle. Here we go. It's a book and I could um, follow this. So I bought it. I read it through Christmas, not last year, the year before and thought, you beauty. I bought a copy for each member of the senior leadership team, gave them, told them they had to be, be ready to go in January. Anyway, a year and a half later or a year and a bit later, we're still going through it. So what I thought would be a really simple process has been a really great process, but a really difficult process as well. So we've got some things down, like we work with a scorecard, which is terrific. We set, we work on a 90-day setting goals and re- reviewing them on a 90-day basis. Mm-hmm. We're making sure our meeting rhythms are happening across the business. So it's working really well and it certainly has changed our focus and got us focused on the things that really matter. 
but it is an evolving and a learning process. Which I would like to think that's natural. So, and kudos to you for taking that initiative. For those wondering exactly what we're talking about, we had Mike Scott on the podcast in 2022 and he shared his insights around the book Traction, which has a lot of depth to it, as you were saying, but it's got some a practical component to it, which um, I think is, for those listening, worth having a look at. Kate, we're in interesting times. We've got what I think is extraordinary times almost. We've got high uh, inflation, interest rates, full employment. We still have optimism out there, but supply chain, cost of doing business, finding skilled people, those costs have risen. I would imagine in your sector that has probably been quite a significant impact. Absolutely, yeah. How are you faring at this time? Um, It's been tough, absolutely tough. And we're okay, but I think we've learned a lot during the last two and a half years. In the beginning, we thought we're okay. And then, you know, things just got out of control. Things, the way business had always been done for us, it just stopped. So typically in our business, for the project side of the business, we might quote work, it could be a year before we, the project goes ahead. And in the past, you know, the pricing would stay and that's what you do. And of course, it was, it's been really tough because during COVID, prices escalated and parts became, you know, specialist parts became very hard to find. The supply chain faltered and, you know, it's just getting back to um, a normality, but it's not quite there yet. So, you know, we had during COVID, job sites that just shut down. So people that couldn't be, we couldn't get people to work. Mind you, and at the same time, we had projects that had critical deadlines. So then you had to escalate and get the projects back on track. But there's a huge shortage of labour. I don't know where everybody's gone, but it's a huge shortage. So it certainly has hit us hard, but we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about contracting. We've learned a lot about our quoting processes. Uh, we've you know, change some of our manufacturing approaches. So it's tough and it, it is still tough. But when we look, you know, within the business and, and it's really important that I have to be optimistic in the business because that's really important that everybody is optimistic, that, you know, we've learned and we've applied those learnings to the business and I'm confident that things are going to get better. So, mm. yeah. So when you say you learn, you talk about um, you've changed contracting, yeah. your quoting processes and some of your manufacturing approaches, what have you changed? Like, so you're obviously not fixed price. From now on, we're not, for sure. Mm. But we've got a lot of work to do with the, our key customers around that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of conversations happening. So we've changed the way in which we start engaging with the customer, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. So the person that's in charge of our contracts team will go with the business development person to talk to the potential customer. So it's just changing that dialogue straight away from the beginning, resetting the boundaries about how we're going to do business and what that's going to look like in this contract and re-checking our prices before we commit to a contract. Like it never had to do that before because they were just maintained through a contract, but it's not the environment we're living in now. So that's one of the big the, things. The VUCA environment. I guess that comes down to we we started by saying cheaper wasn't always better. You might choose not to work with some customers. Like, you Absolutely. Know. And that's another thing we've learned too. Like what kind of work are we going to do? Who are we going to work with? Mm. What are the terms of trade that are important for us? Because you can imagine some of those projects are high value and we are 
outlaying a lot of money, the risk is with us. And if a project gets stopped and so we're just much smarter about the contracting of that work and much more discerning about who we work with, Mm -hmm. I think. And you have to be courageous to do that. You have to say, actually, I'm not going to do that work. No, I I totally agree and have respect for that. Uh, What manufacturing approaches have you changed? A lot more internally and so we can control without the weather. We can control quality. We can get more done in our factory in Adelaide and then ship it out on the semi-trailers to wherever it is around the country and then it's a simply install on site. So that's been a really important uh, change for us. And what is the next little piece of innovation for Umiat? What's on your radar? We we had a chat earlier about even just language that we use in job roles and and et cetera. What, what little things will, might pop up on your radar that might be applicable to someone else listening? That was a, we had an interesting conversation before and it was about, and this is collaborate, an example of really good collaboration where, um, you know, a member of the uh, Leaders Club very generously invited a senior a person in charge of capital projects and myself to go and meet with their engineers. And so in that conversation, we learned so many things um, which we were able to apply, but you know, simple things like the way in which roles are uh, named in another organisation, you know, straight away we've come back and thought that's a much better way of describing what that person does for our business, has so much more motivating for the person and, and for the customer to understand what the person's doing. So there's that kind of stuff we're looking at internally. Um, the other thing we've, we're really focused on is how we streamline our, we've got a whole lot of different IT systems running in the business. So again, that's a recent learning that we're focused on is how do we streamline the systems and get better ways of working, more streamlined. So they're the kind of, in, we've got an internal focus at the moment, getting the business better and more robust. And that means committing to doing those things. Absolutely, it does. Mm. Yeah. Well, Kate, thank you very much. Um, really enjoyed having a chat with you again. Another great South Australian story, and wishing you all the best for Thanks. 2023. Thanks very much, Natasha. I really hope you enjoyed this chat, and it inspires you to harness your own power of collaboration. You can contact me, Natasha Milani, via LinkedIn or saleaders.com.au. All my details are in the show notes. And thank you for listening. 